I find that it's always a really good idea to reserve even if it's as little as 10% of the business for walk-in. Welcome to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods, the nation's first podcast devoted to the business and lifestyle of the hospitality industry. Now, here's your host, Woolco Foods CEO, Stephen Toberoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. I am your host, Stephen Toberoff, and today I want to talk about something which in many ways is focused around the New York City hospitality industry, but I think much of what I'm going to discuss will be applicable for those in the hospitality industry and other markets. And I also think that just from the perspective of of what's going on on a, a macro level, I think it's what's going on in New York City is probably emblematic of what's going on in other places But I would also say that a lot of it is unique to New York, and I just want to let you guys know that from the beginning of this episode. So let me just jump into it with just sort of a brief overview of of what's been going on in the New York City hospitality scene. Let's take a, a wider lens and go back over the past, let's call it eight to 10 years. So prior to the election of Mayor Adams, we had a situation in New York where in my view, the mayor was somebody that was very much hostile to business in general and was, you could argue, particularly hostile to the hospitality industry. And I think you could also say that was the case with the governor. And I say this not in a political sense. I say this purely from a business standpoint. I think people who have owned and operated businesses in New York during that chunk of time would be familiar with what I'm talking about. And clearly circumstances became acute a few years ago. There were major exogenous factors that that put pressure on things. But even before that, there was a general hostility to business that emanated from the mayor's office. And what we have now is something that is truly, I believe, 180 degrees different. Eric Adams, to me, appears to be the most pro-nightlife pro-hospitality industry mayor that I can remember the city having. Certainly under the uh, time of Mayor Bloomberg, you had a mayor that was very much supportive of the arts. I think everybody who has been mayor was verbally supportive of sort of tourism. But, you know, words are, are easy. Actions are what count. And I think that Mayor Bloomberg was very much supportive of of the arts. I think Mayor Giuliani had other sort of uh, priorities when he became mayor and what he was focused on, not that he was, was, was hostile to the industry. But Mayor Adams, through his actions and through his deeds, which I'm going to get into, is demonstrably a huge cheerleader for the hospitality industry. He himself loves to go out. He's out every night, it seems, in the hottest spots, whining and dining with a lot of different people. And I think that's a good look for the mayor. This is my personal opinion. I think it's good for New York City to have somebody who is out there um, participating in the the nightlife, participating in one of the key industries that makes New York, New York. And this is something that is is very different. This is something that we haven't had for a while. And so I want to talk about what the implications are of that, and then we can get more and more granular as to how it can affect business in general, and then ultimately some business decisions that 
those of us and those of you in the hospitality industry can make. So the first thing that Mayor Adams is doing beyond just being an, an avid participant in the nightlife is he's actively pushing to change zoning laws that'll make it easier to open up restaurants in different parts of the city. He's actively pushing to cut red tape that has made it difficult for small businesses in general, but I think the restaurant industry in particular. He's even looking to change zoning rules that have made it difficult to allow dancing in certain types of establishments. Believe it or not, there were a number of controversies over the past several years of people dancing in bars and other restaurants and other establishments. And, you know, you need, apparently you need a special permit or license for that. And the mayor's, you know, and he claims to, he's going to be putting in front of the city council, he seems very optimistic about it, that he's going to be able to have an impact on all of those dynamics. So these are, are concrete manifestations of his support for the hospitality industry. And this is all, I think, you know, quite bullish for people who are looking to open or expand their business within that context. In addition, he has been discussing, along with the city council, of cutting in half the occupancy tax that people have to pay when they stay in a hotel in New York City. And then the final piece is, and this has been well documented, there's been a massive uh, investment and a massive refocus in the tourism section of New York City and communicating the desirability of being a tourist to come to New York, major investments in that. And I understand there's a certain dissonance because a lot of times what we see on the, the news or you know, images of New York and crime and other things. But the reality is for people, you know, I'm, I'm in New York often, much of my audience or, or many of those listening have businesses in New York. Um, and while it's, you know, New York, I, I was born and raised in New York City and, and grew up in the 80s. So I'm familiar with with New York and, and the, the changes it's gone through. But whenever I'm in New York, I, I have to say, this is my personal opinion, the energy is back. People are out there. And I think whatever changes have occurred over the past couple of years, to me, it seems like the energy is back and people are very much desirous of, of getting back out there and enjoying the New York City nightlife and hospitality scene. So we have a mayor who is in favor of this and is making these decisions. And this is the beginning of what he's really focused on his administration. So now let's go down uh, uh, to a level of, of detail, if you will. What does this mean if you already have a hospitality business in New York? You already own a bar, you already own a restaurant. What can you do to capitalize and maximize on this trend? Well, the first thing that I would say you have to prepare for, and this was just going to happen as a matter of course anyway, is I would imagine there's, not that I would imagine, there's absolutely going to be a lot more new openings of restaurants and bars and hospitality businesses in the coming years. There's a number of reasons for that. One, tragically, many of businesses that were in existence are not here anymore as a result of what occurred over the past two years. Those spaces will be filled by new businesses. In addition to that, due to e-commerce and due to other trends, a lot of the commercial real estate in New York City that was always reserved for retail and non-food businesses, I believe, and this is you know manifest, that landlords are becoming much more willing and, in fact, in many cases, desirous of having tenants come in that are in the hospitality space. And so the opportunity to open a business in the hospitality space is going to become much greater 
and those spaces are going to be filled. So there's going to be more competition, which can be a positive and a negative. It's a negative, of course, because you have more people who would be competing for the customers you have. But it can also be a positive because depending upon where your competitors are located, depending upon the type of cuisine they have, it may attract individuals to the proximity of your business that may not have otherwise come. It's just going to be the the evolution into the reopening of, of hospitality businesses, but at an accelerated pace, I believe, and at a more aggressive pace. I think that there's a lot of money that's coming into the space, a lot of investment that's coming into the space, a lot of investment into New York City and Jersey City and Hoboken in general. So we just have to be mindful of that. The second thing is, is over time, I believe that there's a very high probability that two aspects of consumers, if you will, in New York City will become more robust. One is tourism. I believe that tourism will continue to appreciate from here. I think there's a high probability of that. There's a few headwinds right now. The strong dollar can be a potential headwind for people who want to come from Europe. Overall anxiety and concerns can continue to be a headwind. Some negative headline news from New York can continue to be a headwind. But I just believe over time, those dynamics will continue to improve, and that should be accretive to business, and it should also be another catalyst for people to open up businesses in this space. And perhaps by the time they decide they want to do that, there's going to be a real paucity of spaces. The other dynamic, of course, is the return of office workers. Now, in my view, that can cut both ways depending upon what type of restaurant or bar that you have. Because if an individual lives in New York City or Jersey City or Hoboken and they're home all day working from home, they're going to be much more inclined to go out at night. And there have been many articles in the newspaper about sort of the new, you know, happy hour for New York being 8 p.m. and people going out earlier and then them just hanging out later. Or there almost being two rushes for dinner service, the early hour, let's call it between six and seven, and then another round after that. So many businesses have benefited from, from this sort of secular change in behavior, but obviously others that were very much tied into and dependent upon office businesses, they've faced some challenges. But as you can see from what's been in the newspapers, and in fact, even the mayor himself again, to, to use him, he's requiring all city workers to come back to the office. He's been speaking loud and clear about wanting people back to the office. So they clearly are looking to resuscitate the return to the office. And I think that that'll either be a neutral or a net positive for people. And that's something to be aware of. And I've discussed that in prior episodes, how to, um, you know, how to maximize for that. All right. And so the question that you have to sort of ask at this point with these sort of two trends is, just with respect to those two trends, what business decisions can you make now to maximize, you know, the the, the upside for yourself? Um, with the tourist side of thing, if we know that the city of New York is spending a lot of money to promote tourism back to New York and to do all kinds of campaigns, it makes all the sense in the world for you to utilize social media, whichever one or hopefully you use all of them that work best for you to communicate everything you can about your restaurant. The main thing is to just be authentic, represent what your restaurant is. The second thing to do with social media is you can actually do targeted outreach to various governmental agencies in those countries or cities 
where you feel your concept would be very much appreciated by tourists from that area. You know, one of the things that I've learned, and my business is different here, we're, we're a broadline distributor selling to the hospitality industry. But I think a lot of times, certainly was the case with me, you know, we're so focused on posting on social media and how many likes and, and all of that that we get, that we don't recognize that social media presents an unbelievable opportunity for us to proactively reach out in a meaningful and friendly way to those with whom we want to engage. And so what I'm suggesting is reach out. Let, let's assume you have a great barbecue restaurant in New York City and you want to reach out to other cities in America that also are known for their barbecue, Kansas City, Nashville, you name it. Or let's say you have unbelievable cocktails that you think would be extremely well-received by people who are coming to New York from Portugal or Spain. Reach out to the relevant agencies or localities in those regions. Just introduce yourself. Send a DM. You never know if that person won't promote your restaurant or do something with it. It's free, and you're piggybacking onto the millions of dollars that are being deployed right now. I just think it's something that you really want to consider using because if I'm correct that there's going to be enhanced competition and if I'm correct that there's going to be more tourism, one of the trends that I noticed even before, but I think it's going to be much more meaningful now because this is just how people travel. People understand when they come to New York that New York is more than just Times Square. There's a certain type of tourist experience that's going to be centered around Times Square, Broadway, and then people come home. But when people travel to a new city, they really want to experience what it's like to be in the city. So if you've got a really cool spot in the West Village or Chelsea or on the Upper West Side or in East Harlem or wherever it is, people from around the world and around America are going to want to come to that establishment because they're going to want that unique, authentic experience of being in New York. And it's up to you to do what's in your power to make yourself known. And it doesn't require paid advertisements, not in this world of TikTok and Instagram. So that would be a big strategy that I would suggest that you do. The second thing I would certainly do is if you have a restaurant that is contingent upon or, or reliant upon, to a large extent, office workers, okay, do a nice outreach to those buildings or those businesses or, or that community that you want to reach out to as those workers come back. I think a little bit of time invested into reaching out, making people feel welcome. You know, the restaurant or the bar that sends the first sort of welcome back email or maybe does a social media post highlighting the return to work of, of some business or reaches out directly with a phone call. It's not always social media. It can be a phone call and you could reach out to somebody there or offer some kind of special but it's going to require a little bit of promotion, a little bit of salesmanship. It's a different type of thing. You know, 20, 30 years ago, restaurants were more or less constrained. If somebody walked past, they liked the way your restaurant looked or they got a referral, great. Now the opportunities are there for restaurants to very easily reach out and you can do it for free. I think it's very much in your interest to do so. Very much in your interest to do so for two reasons. One, if you are dependent to a certain extent or perhaps a large extent to the office workers coming back, you want to get a huge bang for your buck as that ramps up. You want to be the first mover, so to speak, so that you get great business during happy hour or lunch or whatever dynamic you're looking to, 
to maximize. But the other part is, is it also conveys a sense of appreciation, a sense of community, a sense of authenticity. And those are the types of things that not only keep customers coming back, but keep them referring you to others. And that's really something you want. So those are two you know, ideas in terms of what uh, I would do. With respect to social media, I want to underscore one point, but I think it's not just social media. It's anything that you do. It comes down to, and this is just one man's opinion, authenticity. I think it's very easy in any form of advertisement, but certainly when you use Instagram or TikTok, to feel a certain pressure to convey something or to be unique or or eye-catching. And yet when I go through my social media feed and I look at all the different restaurants that are in it, the ones that really impact me are the ones that are authentic. Just represent what your business is. You know, ultimately what you want to do as a restaurant or a bar is you want to have repeat customers and you want to have people that refer you. What you don't want is you don't want somebody coming to your business because they have a certain impression of of what you do based on how you present yourself in social media or any other form of advertisement. And then they come and it's a different vibe altogether. That's a loss. The, the goal, remember, is not to just get somebody in the door. This is not a one-time sale. The goal is to develop a meaningful, emotional relationship with everyone that comes into your business. That's why they call it the hospitality industry. And so the best way to use social media or any other form of advertisements is to be authentic. Now, whatever authentic means for you, that's what it is. You know, every restaurant's different. Every restaurant has different strengths. If the strength of your restaurant is the cuisine, then absolutely take pictures of your signature dishes. If it's your cocktails, take pictures of those. If it's the vibe of people who hang out, take pictures of people hanging out. If it's your outdoor garden, do that. Whatever your strengths are, play to your strengths and represent them in an unfiltered, authentic manner, and then push that content out in a very direct manner. Yes, just leave it on your feed or your stories, but share it. You know, if, if you believe that your spot would be really well-received by tourists from Ireland or tourists from Brazil or any place on the world you want to think of, tourists from Missouri, there's ways to use Instagram, and you could Google this and figure it out very easily, to, 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 to reach out to people in that geographic location and share your story, share your impression, share what you are, and see where it goes from there. I think it's very important to do that, but I, I did want to underscore the importance of authenticity because so often I see people try to make it seem as if they're doing a film production, and that's not what this is. This is a, this is a business. And it's a business that's predicated on making people have an emotional connection, and you want to start it in a sincere way. The other thing that I think is very important to do is your website. The website for a restaurant or a bar, you know, you're going to hear different stories in terms of what people think it should be. I'm just going to share with you my opinion, and then... You can take it or leave it. But I think first and foremost, your website should convey, should give a feel of what your space is like. That can be done with the photograph that leads on the website. That can be done with the font. You know, th This is where the artistry comes in. You want the website to, to give an emotional sort of representation 
of what your restaurant is like. Obviously, you want to include the menu. You know, you want to include information. You see, the, the purpose of the website when you're a restaurant or a bar is really, it's almost another selling tool because people who know your restaurant, people who have been there, people who like it, they're not going to your website anymore unless you run promotions through it. People are going to your website because they want to learn a little bit more. So it's an opportunity to introduce yourself, right? So you want to have that imagery, that presentation, whatever you want to call it, that really reflects who you are. You want to have the menu. And then most importantly, you want to have a way for them to make a reservation, whether you have the capacity on your own website or you want to link them to Resi or OpenTable, whatever you feel is best for you. Why I say that is because it gives you an opportunity to immediately enable somebody to, to make a table and engage with you. It's also going to give you some real-time data into how much people are liking your website, okay? But the other thing I would absolutely make sure that you do is always convey, this is not the case for every restaurant, but if your restaurant allows for it, I find that it's always a really good idea to reserve, even if it's as little as 10% of the business for walk-in. And the reason I say that is the following, and I've seen this in all my years throughout the industry. One, not everybody is super nice about canceling reservations before their, their time has arrived. I'm sure you've all experienced that. So when you have walk-in business, it gives you an opportunity when you have a situation where a table has been reserved and somebody doesn't take it, you can give it to one of the walk-ins. The second of all is you want to convey truthfully that there's real demand for your restaurant. And when they see that all of the bookings are filled, but that you take walk-ins, maybe they'll come and maybe you'll get a table from them or maybe they'll be in the neighborhood and they'll poke their head in. And even if they don't, just conveying to people that you only leave 10% for walk-ins or 20% for walk-ins, okay? That, you know, that, that, that says something. Now, again, you have to make the decision for your restaurant what is the most appropriate strategy. If your restaurant is not at all suitable to reservations, then don't do that, okay? If your, res if your restaurant is really suited to only having reservations, then do that. But I like the strategy of, one, have the website be informative, have the website convey an emotional representation, authentic representation of what your business is about, and then make it very easy for them to book a reservation and always reserve some for the, the walk-in space. I find that really conveys a lot of, of positive things about your restaurant. There's other things you can do on the website. Some would argue they're super important. Others would say it's not as important. Certainly, depending upon how dialed in you are on it, if you can get an email address from people who go to your website, that's a great thing. It gives you an opportunity to reach out to them directly. If you can get any other information that will enable you to reach out directly through promotions, you should do that as well. But if you feel it's appropriate to promote takeout or specials, obviously these are all obvious things on the website, but I do believe it's going to be much more important as we head into this moment in time where I think there's a real good probability, perhaps a high probability, that there's going to be a lot of new spaces opening up. And you just want to do that type of marketing. It doesn't cost anything, but it's something you want to do. 
There's other subjects that are related to this, but I'm going to save them for future episodes because I want to keep this one really just focused on this. These are my thoughts. These are my observations. And as with anything in business, if you can identify something and anticipate it and perhaps get in front of others, you can capitalize on certain trends. And that's really what I'm suggesting may be available here. Would certainly love to know what all of you think. So please, as you've done and as I so appreciate, please feel free to DM me at Wilco Foods on Instagram, or you can email me at Stephen at WilcoFoods.com. Something I haven't asked for, and I probably should have, but if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy the content, uh, please give it a rating. Please give it a review. Please recommend it to somebody. You know, I don't do a super great job of promoting it because I really just like to put the content out and I'm gratified with however many people get value from it. And I certainly get great gratification when I get the emails or the DMs. But it does help move up within the the ecosystem of the various podcast players if you could give it a rating or recommend it, but only if you find the content valuable. So as always... Just want to share my thoughts with you. Again, look forward to hearing from you. And most importantly, everybody, have an awesome, awesome day. Thank you for listening to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. Please be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about Woolco Foods or Stephen Toberoff, please visit us at woolcofoods.net.